I want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Money God's Way. Today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called My Heart Set Free to Find Joy in Generosity. The goal in this series, Money God's Way, in fact, the whole goal of Money God's Way, is not for us to have our budget in a better place. It's not so that we will honor God more in some areas or even love our families better or give more to God. Listen, the whole focus of this series has been on the heart. Now, I don't doubt the importance of a budget. I don't doubt the importance of providing for your family. I don't doubt the importance of giving to God. Uh, we've talked about all of those things, or we'll talk about those things between this week and when we finish next week. However, the focus uh, from the beginning is on the heart. A provision affects the heart. Peace is an element of the heart. Thanksgiving comes from the heart. And today we're going to look at two more aspects of, of what God wants to do in our hearts. Uh, do you have joy in your finances, in how you spend your resources? Do you have a sense of walking by faith in your finances, or is your faith, is it in God I trust, or is it in myself that I trust? We're going to look at that. I want to share a verse that's been uh, central to what we believe here. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and through 21. You'll see it up on the screen here. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see that little sentence there at the end, where your treasure is, there will, or there your heart will be also, links two very important things. You cannot talk about money and separate it or isolate it from the heart. Uh, I was listening to uh, Dave Ramsey last night, some of the video content from Financial Peace, and he was talking about the fact that Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth, talked more about finances than he did about grace, love, and I've also heard, which is obvious, heaven or hell. Like, why the focus on money? Well, because Jesus knew, God himself knows that money is often one of the closest, if not the closest thing uh, to our hearts. And by money, I mean possessions as well. What we possess so it's often a great way that God can speak to the things most central uh, to our hearts. Listen, my heart for you is that you would experience joy. Scripture says that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And I believe that God has much joy for us to experience in our finances, but it comes as we invest our heart slash treasure. They're the same thing. Your heart will never go far from your, your resources, your treasures. Um, where your treasure goes, your heart will go. And uh, many times it's redirecting the treasure that often is a big part of redirecting our hearts because the two are so closely connected uh, and vice versa. 
The key word I want you to really grab a hold of today is the word invest. What's the key word? So as you're thinking about this whole time, you're like, when's the next time he's going to say the word? Invest. My hope for you is that I, I want each of you to be the Warren Buffett of spiritual investing, if you want to. Why don't you turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I'm going to have us look at five things uh, that we can invest in that God blesses and will bring us great joy. Uh, Verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. We looked at contentment and thanksgiving last week. Then verse 9 continues. He says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with a Coca-Cola, as Baptists say, uh, with wine. That's what the text says. Um, First way to invest, five things. Here's the first one. Invest in honoring God. Invest in honoring God. Notice it says, honor the Lord. That's not the word we would use for God, a generic sense, but it's the word, the personal name of a God, which is Yahweh. That's the word used here in the text. Honor Yahweh. You know, one of the ways that we honor God and the way that we will honor God in everything we do is when we realize that everything belongs to God, it leads us to a crisis where we have to choose whether we will honor God with what belongs to him or whether we will dishonor God with what belongs to him. Now, I have great neighbors. I have phenomenal neighbors. I'm blessed by the neighbors I have. But let's just say, for instance, that as as a pastor, I would never do this, but let's just say I did. Let's just say that I was going to be a bad neighbor to my good neighbors, now, what if my neighbor walks out his, his I, I'm trying to remind us, just to make us feel even better about where we're at in March, of, of four weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, there was snow everywhere. You remember that? The big snowstorms and all that stuff? You had to go outside and shovel more of this snow. And, and, and how bad would it be if my neighbor uh, came out of his house and he had shoveled already and then, then it was my turn to shovel and I go out and he goes out and he sees it. He's like, Luke, my neighbor just shoveled his snow, but he shoveled it all into my sidewalk. What was he thinking? Okay. He's, he's dishonored. He's being a very unkind neighbor, but then he happens to look closer and he goes, not only is he shoveling his snow into my driveway and my sidewalk, he's doing it with my shovel. What is he thinking? We all are like, I would never that is the same principle as believers who believe that God owns everything and then take what God owns and dishonor him with it. What a principle to think about. How do we honor God? How do we honor God? Well, let me just give you a way it says right here in the text. Notice it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And then there's a, this next uh, line here is talking about how we do it. With the first fruits of all your produce. Now, it's being specific to something that was talked about explicitly in the Old Testament. You might be wondering, what is this whole concept of first fruits? What is he talking about? Well, if you read through Scripture on a yearly basis, you're going to find this term, first fruits, mentioned frequently throughout Scripture, referencing a number of things, but I'm going to tell you what it means. 
of First Fruits, a man named Larry Walker writes this. He says, First Fruits are the choice examples of a crop harvested first and dedicated to God. In accordance with the Mosaic law, individual Israelites brought to the house of the Lord the choice, that is the best, first fruits of your soil. Let me just give some scriptures there. Including grain, wine, and oil, which were used, except for the grain in some cases, uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 2, uh, for the support of the priest. According to Deuteronomy 26, the offering was brought in in a basket to the sanctuary for presentation. The book of Proverbs promises prosperity to those who honor the Lord with their first fruits. That's the text we're in right now. According to Leviticus 23, the first sheaf of the new crop of barley was presented as a wave offering before the Lord. This took place on the day after the Passover Sabbath and was a public acknowledgement that all came from God and belonged to him. Not only were the Israelites to be mindful that the land of Canaan was the Lord's possession and that they were only, or only had the rights of tenants, but they were also to be aware that the fertility of Canaan's soil was not due to one of the Baals, but rather the Lord's gift of grace. Now, what would happen is, you got to keep in mind, this was in a very agriculturally driven a culture. And what that meant is, uh, when the crops were coming in, they would take the first, you know, it's like when you, it's like in August, when the tomatoes start ripening, you know what? That first tomato, and sometimes we cut it off, it's still a little green because we want it so bad, right? But it's like that first tomato, it looks so good, it's ripening. Um, not like the ones, you know, in October that are like mush and like half green and then it freezes in like November and it's nasty, Okay? The first tomato, that's kind of an example we would use. The first fruit was to be devoted to the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you, here's where faith comes in. Put yourself in their shoes as a farmer. Your whole life, your whole provision for your family rests on what you grow. And keep in mind, by the time you've gone, you're already about an entire year away from most of your harvesting. And when that first harvest comes in, as we would say, the cupboards are a little bare. And it was an act of faith to take the first and the best and say, no, that is not going to be for us. We are going to give that to the Lord. And we're going to depend on him to provide in all the other areas. That's what it means to honor the Lord with first fruits. First fruits is a representation of how we prioritize God by faith in our finances while resting and trusting in his provision. Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving Him with our gifts and abilities. Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. Now notice what it says here. I'm going to read the verse again. You'll see if you can guess what's coming in verse 10. Notice it says, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now stop, look up. What do you think is coming next? I thought maybe here would be a great way to end the verse. I'll read it to you in my translation. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce because the Bible says so. Or you better feel really, really guilty. Is that what the text says? No, look at the text. The text says, Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. One commentator made a great comment about this verse 10. He says, First, God tells us what to do, and then he gives us the motivation. Now, God could say, Give to my work, 
or else. Give to my work because you should. Give to my work because I'm good to you. But that's not what he does. He actually gives motivation. He says, so that you can open up blessing in your own life. Listen, honoring God means showing that our finances are a partnership by faith with him. Honoring God means showing that our finances are a partnership by faith with God. And it's our part to honor him wholeheartedly. And maybe you're asking this question, well, pastor, could you be a little more specific in how I'm supposed to honor him? Uh, I'm not really good farming. In fact, uh, my, my wife doesn't even let me fertilize the lawn because I kill it every time. Okay? How am I supposed to honor the Lord with, how am I supposed to do that? I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles quickly to the right, uh, to the prophet, the Italian prophet, Malachi, also known as Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Verse 6. Here's the second thing we invest in. We invest in honoring God. Here's the second one. Uh, read with me. Verse 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Praise God. Gets better. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. That's the grace of God. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby, here's the key part, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Here's the second way to invest your heart and treasure. Invest in testing God. Invest in testing a God. This passage, I believe, and has been a foundational passage in how our personal family uh, has honored God. Some of you might be thinking, well, pastor, this is in the Old Testament. This is in the Old Testament. Have you been doing your research? Don't you know that this is the Old Testament? What are we supposed to do now as Christians in the New Testament? Those were for the Jews. Is there a difference between this? I would say it's a very good observation. The word tithe in the Hebrew is literally the tenth, the tenth. I'll say this, it's not explicitly taught in the New Testament. That would be a good observation for students of God's word. So where do we get our theology of how we're supposed to test God uh, now in the New Testament? I'm going to read a passage to you, two of them actually, one from 1 Corinthians 9. This is where uh, Paul is talking about how uh, the Lord had spoken, Jesus had, about how those who worked for the purpose of the gospel were to receive their, you might call salary or a provision through the gospel. He says this, notice what he uses as his basis. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Notice that it says, in the same way. 
I believe that Paul provides us here with the basis for supporting ministers of the gospel. I will say this, I am a minister of the gospel, which can make this awkward to talk about a bit, but I preach God's word no matter how it makes me feel. But I've also been on the other side of that. In fact, most of my earning years, if you will, uh, were spent at UPS uh, when we were giving and we were not part of vocational ministry, if you will. But here, Paul provides us with the basis for supporting ministers of the gospel by going back to the Old Testament principle of how God provided for the Levites and the temple workers through uh, the tithe. I also want to um, share some wisdom that I believe comes directly from Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, 23, as we're discussing how do we honor the Lord with our wealth? How do we put him to the test? Matthew 23, 23, very negative context. Jesus is going hard after the scribes and Pharisees. He um, says, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, mint, and dill, and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting uh, the others. And I believe there Jesus is not neglecting. He's not telling people stop doing that, only do this. He's explaining uh, do that. And the more important thing is the issues of the heart, love, justice, mercy. I also want to say this. I'll let you write this down in your notes. You can look this up later. I would encourage you to do that. Matthew chapter 5 verse 24 Jesus told uh, the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, listen, listen, if you come to give your offering and you have something against your brother or your brother has something against you, you keep your offering there. You don't present it yet. You keep your offering there. First, be reconciled to your brother. Then come and bring your offering. It is a privilege to give to God. It is a part of our relationship with the Lord. However, if we're doing that with a state of sin and bitterness, God will not Receive that well. And I would even encourage you as you're giving, um, you're coming on Sunday morning, you should be checking your heart, just like we do with communion. When you come before the Lord to take the Lord's table, you should be checking your heart as far as where you are with the Lord and with others as you're giving to the work of the Lord. Without overstating from these verses here, I believe that the best understanding of how the New Testament believers should give to the Lord in his work is represented in tithing. Uh, that's what I believe, and that's what Jensen and I have done both uh, in vocational ministry and before vocational ministry. But I want to focus on where the text here is absolutely clear. God is inviting us to test him. Test him. Now, most of the time in Scripture, when God says, you're testing me, bad news. Most cases where God says, you're testing me, don't do that. But this is entirely different. He's saying, listen, Test me. Come on up here. Poke me. Poke me. Try it. Do it. Do it. Test me to see if I will not care for you, if you will partner with me in your finances. You know, I was thinking about this. How many times do we as believers, yeah, yeah, you can use a basketball analogy. We're in basketball season, right? Some of us are wondering, why are we losing the game? Why, why, why can't we seem to get ahead? Why can't we seem to get the ball in the basket? Why do we seem to be lacking in our, in our ability to get the job done? And God's over there sitting on the bench saying, I'm over here. Why don't you put me in the game? Some of us are like, well, oh God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we can trust you in this game. You know, God, I, I mean, I know you're a good free throw shooter and all. But I'm not sure we can trust you with the final shot in the game. I mean, I mean, I know you're God and all, but really, God's over there going, seriously? Seriously. 
I made the basketball. I invented basketball. I made every player on the floor and on the bench. I made the building. I made the stands. I made the whole thing. I can dunk from half court. Let me in the game. See, often we can say we trust God in everything, but when it comes home to the finances, this is why Jesus knew if you're going to get close to the heart, usually you're going to be talking about finances or about relationships because it comes so close to home. And for those of us who are like, I could trust God with everything. I would move across country for God. But God, don't get close to my checkbook because it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. I've heard someone say this. I'm sure many people have said this, but person said, I will take 90% with God any day rather than 100% without God. The heart behind that is this idea of testing God. Are you willing to put God in the game and put the ball in his hands and trust him? There's only so many areas before we get to heaven. If we could see heaven in all its glory, as Paul uh, had seen a vision of, gets harder and harder not to trust God. And someday when we're seeing him, it won't be hard at all. In fact, hard won't even be part of the sentence. But in this lifetime where we have so many things going and our head is off and down as opposed to vertical, there's so many things about our life that sometimes we can, God, I got this one. I want to share, I'm going to take my uh, preacher hat off and put it here for a minute. And I want to share a testimony. I've also, they used to tell us in seminary, don't do a testimony and preach at the same time. Do one or the other. And so I'm going to put my preacher hat down here, and I just want to share a testimony. You know, my whole life, my personal testimony of what God has done in my life, if I were to just open up and share my testimony as others have done, um, I don't have a great, super exciting testimony. I got saved when I was a kid. I saw God work in my life. I followed the Lord. Sometimes I wish I had, well, I sort of wish I had a story of like, I was in the ditch and I was down drugs and, and I was about to die. And then God, some of you had this story. And God came down and he grabbed me up and I knew what grace was because if it hadn't been for the grace of God, I wouldn't be standing here. I don't have that testimony. I have a different testimony. And money, aside from the salvation part, which God has been amazing, I'm a sinner just like anyone else. I need God's grace just like anyone else. But I'll tell you, if I were to share my testimony, money and tithing would be right at the top of the list. And I'll tell you why. When I was a kid, my dad started to, uh, I was in a preacher's family, and my dad was very disciplined uh, to tithe and to give to the church, even though he was a pastor in the church. And um, so he taught us. When I had my paper out, we learned how to tithe. And then I worked at Dairy Queen, we learned how to tithe. And and then into UPS and things, and we just kept doing that. But there was a, a bit of a crisis point where I was about to go to seminary and um, I, was trying to, I, I was planning to go into seminary, full-time grad school, at a very demanding grad school, and try to have three part-time jobs to provide for my family. Uh, Jensen was pregnant with Isaiah. He was born literally the day we moved to seminary. I don't know how he planned that. But, um, so I remember we were moving there and I was going to try to be a youth pastor and I was going to try to have a security job so I could work and study at the same time and then keep my job at UPS for the benefits and I was going to try to juggle all this. And right as we were getting in through this summer, we moved on campus, and I was going to uh, then begin to uh, start my studies in the fall. Uh, the youth pastor job fell through, and uh, we got booted out for some various, or they didn't want us, and uh, there was some stuff related to that that was very frustrating to me. And then the security job, I found out that wasn't even really a viable option anymore. So now I've got UPS, I've got a young family, and I'm going to try, and, and at that time, you know, the question is, God, I'm doing your work. Are you going to be able to meet my needs or am I, going to, am I going to hit the ditch financially when I'm trying to learn how to be prepared to serve you and advance your kingdom? But you know, we 
continued to tithe, continued to give, and I saw God work a miracle of sorts through that season. I remember that in that season, I was part-time, and God uh, got me on a safety team, which got me some more hours doing this, and God provided a great boss, which really took care of me and offered, got me extra hours wherever that was possible. And, and God provided through that job, I ended up only having to need one job for the most part. Then I remember part of the way through our seminary, I was working six days a week, and uh, this friend of ours just uh, reached out to us and said, hey, you know, we, we believe you're doing God's work even now. We just, we just want to support you. And they just started sending us checks every month. And I was even able to take off one of the days of the week so that I could have more time to study and keep up with a very demanding schedule. And I, you know, when I walked through that, I said, God, I can trust you. I can trust you. If I'm faithful to test you, you will be faithful to care for my family when we're very, very vulnerable. But you know, my experience in seminary had taught me that God is always faithful. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church worship services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.